0: podcast. I've learned that awkward segues into ads are just a part of hosting a podcast these days. Similar to how awkward phases are part of growing your business with features dedicated to sales, marketing services, and more HubSpot CRM platform is here to help your business grow better every step of the way with intuitive visual workflows and bot builders. HubSpot CRM platform can automate campaigns across your website, email, social media, digital ads, and chat for clear communications and zero mixed messages. With the Teams feature, you can organize your accounts by Teams and segment leads, sort through content, and easily view team performance reports. And thanks to sequences, you can now create flows to automate sales outreach, follow-up, and timed personalized emails so that you can scale your customer relationships like never before. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com.
1: Cord. All right, we are we are here and back. Welcome to the Gang Grow Retain podcast. You got Jay here with you today. Jeff is uh, out with a doctor's appointment today. So um, just me, but I've got with me today someone that I met on LinkedIn over really just the past week, week and a half, I guess, Jeff. Uh, Jeff like that. yeah, hasn't hasn't been long, but Jeff C. So you go by Jeff or Jeffrey?
2: Jeff. Only my mom called me Jeffrey.
1: <laughs> I have a brother named Jeffrey, but he spells it with a G. So <laughs> we always call him Jeffrey. So I guess if we call him his friends, all will call him Jeff though. So, <laughs> but uh, well, great to have you. So, and this is a special one. So um, I made a post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago talking about just this increased interest that I've seen in folks coming out of the education space. Uh, teachers, administrators, so on and so forth, showing a lot of interest in SaaS and customer success. And Jeff, I think you're one of those guys. Um, so, give us like just a couple seconds overview. Like, what is your job today? Where are you from? And how did you learn about customer success? And and, and how did this become such an interest for you?
2: Sure. Um, I'm Jeff C. I'm an assistant principal at DC Everest Senior High School in Weston, Wisconsin and been in this role for five years. And prior to that, I have been an assistant principal at a, at a middle school um, and customer success. I, now that I have taken a look at it, I would tell you that it's because I do customer success every day um, on varying levels, whether it's with students, parents, community members, board members, um, but, um, As I came out and take a look, I'll be honest, the first thing I looked at was um, talent development. And again, the thinking, boy, we develop teachers as as they enter our district, we recruit them, we hire them. But the more I looked at that customer success role, um, probably selfishly, there's a part of me that feels guilty, Jay, for, for leaving the profession and working, depending on what the customers might be, some of them are at tech companies. Um, and if that were to be, you know, the, the way that this were to fall, I, you know, am in some way still connected to schools, even though uh, the goal is to, you know, help customers succeed.
1: Right, That's it's often um, folks ask Jeff and I, <laughs> Jeff Brunsbach and I, who's the, uh, the co-host of this podcast, um, often like, how do I break into customer success if I am an educator, or if I do come from a different background or industry? And one of the the answers we typically give is look for a software company that does something you already know about. There are so many vertical software companies, which means a company that will specialize in the the most niche thing, right? Maybe it's scheduling for schools, which I'm sure we're going to dig into here. Maybe it's uh, curriculum and education. There's a lot of different tech companies out there for education. So it's a great pathway for people who know that world to come in and be, uh, subject matter experts because all of our software companies need those. But I'm, I'm curious, how did you, like, where did you even come across customer success? How did you learn about it? How did you decide like, this is interesting and I want to dig into it more.
2: You know, it's funny because, um, One of the first people I met when I started uh, connecting on LinkedIn was Julie Rader. And um, Julie and I happened to be talking and I remembered her and she's like, I don't think I've ever met you. How do you remember me? I was like, well, because you played on the 2008 Oostburg High School Girls Championship team. She's like, how do you know that? I'm like, I watched girls high school basketball and I remember you. Um, and she happened to be looking at customer success as well. Okay. And we engaged in conversations about it. And you know, I you've probably seen me talking about it. i I think administrators, yes, eh, but even especially special ed teachers, that customer success manager, that's what they do. You know, I, I just think of pulling together the right team uh, of experts to be able to help support a student. Um, so that, that's really where I came upon it, but I, am one of those people, Jay, that once I kind of get an interest, I probably overdo it. So, um, read everything that I could came upon your podcast and Jeff's podcast, um, enrolled right away in, uh, success hackers, CCSM level one. And, you know, as I've gone through that, it, it's funny because I am learning some things in that, but there, there are some things that I'm like, well, yeah. And I realized that for, for everyone that it wouldn't necessarily be, yeah, but I think given my experiences and in that role where you are supporting customers, that a lot of it just makes sense.
1: That, that's great. That So you were going through the Success Hacker training and you saw things that, you identified with from your own professional yes. career in education and you, and that's, so how did you get the idea to start making the videos? So for those who haven't seen them <laughs> yet, if you, if you haven't, just go check out Jeff's profile on LinkedIn and what, this has probably been a week, week, week and a half. Jeff's been making, yeah. been making videos to say, Hey, I've been, I've been learning about customer <laughs> success and I'm going to tell you exactly how an educator's experience those skills map directly to things that I've heard about in customer success. so that's what caught my eye. And that's how we really got connected. I was like, dude, you should come on and talk about this in the podcast because there's a lot of people trying to get in this. So what, what possessed you to start creating these videos?
2: I'll be honest with you. Some of it was, um, my resume wasn't getting a lot of traction and, you know, this is, I'm going on job scan and my resume scores a hundred and I'm on resume, my resume scores a 10. And you know, just not clicking with some people. And I, I was just of a mind if someone could hear, you know, me correlate it to my experience to what you're asking CSMs to do, I think they would be more willing to take a look. And so I started doing that and Pam Misnick is kind of my my cheerleader. She's in my corner. And when I do something she thinks is great, she lets me know. Uh, When she has to rein me in a little bit, she reins me in a little bit. (laughs) Um, But but great to have that cheerleader. And so that's where the idea came from. And honestly, as I was filling out some online applications, I was looking over, here's what they are looking for in, in a customer success manager. And I would see, well, what have I done that I think correlates yep. with that?
1: Yep. That's great. And any, any interviewer, anyone who's worth their salt is going to ask you behavioral interview questions, which is like, tell me about a time when you've done X, Y, and Z or something similar. I, I interview people who are often you know, entry-level, student-level folks. And you think, well, what, what experience do they have? Well, they have tons of experience. They've done projects in high school. They've led, you know, probably projects and teams in their college studies. There's always a stories there, story there. They could have been athletes, right, and led a team in sure. athletics. So, um, and I mean, certainly you've got years of, ex- of professional experience to lean on in addition. In addition to that, so that's awesome. Well, the videos have been great. So the one thank that you. caught, the one that you're welcome and thank you for doing it. The the one that um, initially caught my eye was. So let's jump into a couple of these because there's some interesting stuff here so you talked about rounding can we talk about what that means and how you correlated it to what you've learned about customer success
2: yeah um so our district uh engages with a company called Studer and Studer originally kind of this method of rounding started out in healthcare, because you're you're rounding with people trying to kind of hold everyone accountable to each other And so when I came into the district, they were doing that. And I really, uh, again, it just made sense to me to do that. And as a new assistant principal in in this position, I thought it was important to listen to people, to find out, you know, and it's it's really simple. Um, Since the beginning of the quarter, how are things going? Uh, Do you have everything you need to do your job? Anything I can do for you right now? So those kind of questions, and I got a really positive response out of it, especially because that data that I gathered as part of those interviews with with the people who I liaisoned with, that went right outside my office in a red light, yellow light, green light. And that way I could let people know where we were in the process. So not only did I hear you, because we can always say, yeah, I hear you, but if nothing ever comes of it, the perception is going to be that you didn't really hear me. So, putting that out there, and some of them are easy wins, right? So, yep. I can make this happen right away. That's your easy win. Something that's maybe in the pipeline that I can talk about. Let's make sure that you know that, and then something. I, but I think this is equally important. Something that I can't deliver and I don't know if we'll be able to deliver, I'd rather tell you and here's the why, because then you have an answer and it's not hanging out there like, well, I asked them and maybe they're gonna do it, they just didn't say anything. So I, I think that's important then. I'll be honest with you, if we didn't engage with student, I don't know that that's something I would have thought of on my own, but, but again, you learn, right? So coming into this district, they engage and it just made sense.
1: Yeah. And so I guess to your point, it, it's not about whether you would have figured that out on your own. It's about the fact that that is an institutional part of a uh, uh, well-run educational institution. Yeah. And you've learned that technique. There's, there's a couple of things that I, if, if I could pick out of that, that are really, really significant in that map very, very well to even my job as a chief customer officer, one, there's a the whole people aspect of it. You could almost lift that exact process and, and and use it with a team to help them understand internally what you're working on and what you're not. Um, but this idea with of sort of a red, yellow, green with a, with a, with a customer, if you have that same conversation with a customer, one of the things we see very often in the software world is that customers are always asking for things that you don't have. No matter how (laughs) mature your product is, they're always wanting something else, which is great. There's a lot to learn from that. It's how we innovate. It's how we drive our product roadmaps. But one thing that's very dangerous, I posted on this probably a year ago. One thing that's very dangerous is to tell a customer, well, that might be coming. That thing you asked for, it might be coming. Because guess what they're going (laughs) to ask you about now every single time you get on the phone with them? Is that thing coming yet? And then if, if it goes for three, six, nine, twelve 12 months, and they're still asking about it, now, whether you said yes or no, you didn't, you said maybe, in their mind, it's a yes. And now they have an expectation that you're not meeting, and so there's dissatisfaction there. So I love Absolutely. the idea of being clear with your yes, being clear with your no, um, and not letting it be the squishy middle of maybe, because... Yeah, it's fraught with peril, especially with something you don't necessarily control.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's the same. I I think of when working with parents, you know, there are times that I can't deliver. And sometimes it's our our hierarchy, right? My superintendent is the one who makes that decision, not me. Or my principal may make that. I can make sure it gets in front of them and I can explain apparent concerns. But ultimately, maybe I can't same thing there. If I can get an easy win, I'm going to get an easy win. Um, but most parents, they just, number one, they just want to be heard. Really, truly, yeah. they want to be heard. But they've been really appreciative when I explained, this is why I can't make it happen. But I'm going to follow up and I promise you, I will get back to you with an answer one way or another.
1: That is a 100% customer success mindset. There's so much you don't control. There's so much that a customer success manager doesn't control and that's okay. None of us control everything, right? Um, but to, to have that sort of that cool, calm demeanor when it comes to things that you know you don't have control over and then to make that commitment and follow back up, that's the name of the game. So that's, that's great. The other thing you just said there really uh, resonated with me too. So we had our, um, our legal counsel we have an in-house lawyer basically at higher logic and she does a lot of contract negotiations and helps us with, you know, new business and renewal business at times. And one of the things, we actually had her on the podcast, which is a really, really popular episode. If, if folks haven't listened to it, they should go back and check it out. But, uh, one of the things that Lisa says is that the, the solution often is the conversation, right? Like you said, people just want to be heard. They want to know that you understand all of their concerns, all of their needs, all of their asks. And then you come to, you, you sort of negotiate the best possible outcome for everybody. So, and I don't envy you having to deal with parents
2: because I am one. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, parents are just advocating for their kids. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that, that's the long and short of it. And they're doing the best they can to advocate for their kids. I listened to that episode with Lisa, by the way. And oh, my, big, my big takeaway was that sometimes the conversation is the solution.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we should uh, we should trademark that in some way. Should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> it's a good one.
2: Hey,
0: Ganga Otane, I wanted to tell you about the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, hosted by John Jantz and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. The Duct Tape Marketing shares tips, tactics, and resources for you and your business. One thing that they've talked about recently is mapping out where your best customers want to go, which hits on a core customer success tenant of customer journey mapping. So go listen to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Um, All right, cool, so we talked about rounding. Give me another one.
2: Um, You know, I'm gonna say, I think data collection and and analyzing that data is uh, in a different way. So rounding is, you know, going out doing those interviews but as schools, we get a lot of data. We have testing data. We yeah. have other surveys that we do, um, you know, not that one-to-one interview, but, a, but an indirect survey. You know, we get information about it, students' health habits. It's the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And that is a survey where we're having kids usually pretty honestly, are they getting involved with things they shouldn't be getting involved with? that's data that's available to us. How are we doing on tests? Um, And that one I think is so important because we can't in one year necessarily swing the boat around if we had an off year in terms of testing results. And that test is just one sitting, uh, you know, in the spring of the year when some kids are, are starting to see sunlight and warm temperatures. But um, <laughs> we, <laughs> well, that, that's the reality of it. When we sit down to take that standardized test, we, we don't always have buy-in, um, but that data can tell us maybe where we redirect resources, right? So it, it's not just about a, a whole change we might make. You know what, from a budgetary standpoint, do we have the ability to shift responsibilities so that we can bring in some more math tutoring because our math scores really drop, and that's something that's important so it's using that data to drive the mission i think is an important part of it
1: yeah that's really good and even there that that even it it um gets me thinking about how sometimes we have to shift around resources, even internally to make sure our customers are educated in the right way. Right. Maybe there's a little bit of less of, of a customer success manager we need over here in this segment and more of a, of an enablement manager that we need, right. That can provide training and enablement to those customers. And instead of more of an account management type function. So, so many parallels. I mean, the more you talk, the more I hear it.
2: I'm glad (laughs) that you hear it because it, again, this is that piece that I've been thinking about. I, and I think the other element of this is, um, if you know how often principals, but also teachers do this. Teachers, especially your rock star teachers, they're tapped to do staff trainings all the time. You know, teachers are the ones who, we are going to implement this new software package. It's different than what we've done before. You, you get some teachers on board with it, they learn it. And then you've got your train the trainer model so that the, those teachers are are getting the in-depth instruction. The others are getting what they need to be successful in using that software. And I, I've probably done well over 200 presentations, um, you know, to sometimes in conferences, sometimes to uh, district, high level district teams that that you're trying to present information to, to referendum teams, because you're wanting to get a community maybe to, to spend some more money for some programs. Um, So that's another area, I think that staff training. And then I think about that customer success role, making sure that, you know, as you look at the data and it is this customer, what's, what's their health? score looking like right um and is it a matter of we need some more training because following up and maybe there was supposed to be training and it didn't happen you know and i think of the pandemic there were things we were supposed to do that we ended up not doing because again you shift your priorities to something more important um i wish we had gotten him some more training before the pandemic but the pandemic forced us so one of the software pieces we use basically the entire course can be put into this platform and students can learn from it teachers can put up videos. Um, everything that we would want and the pandemic forced 100% adoption so they right. there, <laughs> you know where we're maybe you're not hoping for a number that high, but we didn't have a choice. Right. Because the kids weren't there to be in front of you.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was the only mechanism you had at that point. Was it a learning management system? Yeah. Very cool. What did you do before you were an administrator?
2: Before I was an administrator, I taught English.
1: Okay. So you taught?
2: Yes. Classroom a... teacher. Go ahead.
1: No, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, classroom teacher. And uh, for the most part, my thinking was you know what, I'm going to teach for 30 years, I'm going to retire, there's nothing wrong with being a perfectly good English teacher, but people kept saying, so Jeff, why aren't you doing this, Jeff, why aren't you doing this, and um, finally a deputy superintendent said, Jeff, why aren't you doing this, and I was like, well, and he just, he stopped me, he said, okay, I'm going to tell you this one time, and I won't do it again, he said, when someone offers you a seat at the table, you pull up the chair, and you sit at the table. Um, Good for you. And I got that gravity, um, went and got my principal licensure. And um, again, that's a way that I can impact so many more students yeah. than I can as a teacher with my 125 students a year.
1: Yeah. Scaled impact. That's, that's so cool. Why do you think so? So one of the things that I found significant, and your videos just hit me right at the right time, is that... <clears throat> I've seen more and more and I've gotten more and more outreach from folks on LinkedIn who are looking to leave education and get into tech and customer success. In particular, it seems that people have really caught on to what customer success is. It's a great entry point, by the way, to get into tech. You can go a lot of different places from a customer success role once you get in. But why do you think so many people are looking to leave the profession right now?
2: um i think that with the expectations that are put in place that's a part of it but at the very beginning of the pandemic when parents were suddenly home with their kids you could see the memes on on facebook and other platforms you know holy cow i didn't realize my kids teacher did this and that was great right then but as we came back to school at the start of this year and you know, you have mandates and other things in place, people became much less tolerant. And I, I can tell you that I have heard teachers get threatened, you know, threatened, mm-hmm. and they're following me through on a policy. Um, so that's a part of it, you know, that, that lack of respect that's there. Um, and here, here's why that happens a lot too, by the way. Everybody's been in a school, right? Everyone's been a student. So, everyone's an expert on what goes on in a school <laughs> based on whatever your experience was.
1: Yeah, right.
2: And so that's challenging. But I also think because we're at, we told teachers this year should be easier. We're not going to expect you to teach virtually plus hybrid plus face to face in your classroom. And we have so many students who, because of quarantines and isolations, they're, they're missing school and the only way they're going to get content and be able to catch up is if that teacher is putting videos and maybe getting some other content ready out there. So I think for some of them, many who I've talked to, and here's the thing that, that I think is disheartening for me, young, really good teachers Mm. are already burned out.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, two, three, five years in and they're burned out.
1: Who's going to teach our kids?
2: You know, you and I were talking about this before you hit record, and I think it was an article in The Atlantic where they they talked about there are schools of education that are closing up shop because there isn't enough interest in teaching as a career. Um, there are some programs, I read of one, they have 464 students. That's it. Um, and I would imagine that one if they can't get more. So um, I think the short-term answer is, I don't know. I, I think the long-term answer is, we're gonna figure out what we need to do to make teaching not be a profession that it, that is so easy to disrespect. I think it's the way that I would do that. And I'm hopeful that, that we do get enough teachers, but I worry because the, the short-term answer is, not having certified teachers in the classroom, but having, you know, people in the classroom. So that's a concern. Right.
1: Yeah, especially in public, public schools where you have to provide that service, but quality may not, might not be monitored as, as closely as it would be in a private situation. Or So there's going to be a, you could see it having a, a social impact and dividing more the haves and the have-nots as well. Agreed. So I, I'm no, I'm no specialist on education and this podcast is not about it. It's just an interesting thing to think through, um, as we go along. So, well, um, I'm, I'm excited that, that you have taken such an interest in this and, and many, many others like you are taking an interest, um, in the technology space, because I think we, we can be, we can learn a lot from you. We can be better because of you um and and with you as part of our companies and so it's exciting um what uh i never did the icebreaker at the beginning i (laughs) I completely forgot we jumped right in and i didn't do it so jeff's going to be just laughing at me because he's he's the real facilitator of this thing i'm just the backup guy um but let's 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 do a little icebreaker real quick so people get to know you personally a little bit sure so if you were going to start a community about anything. So HireLogic, our company is all about communities, right? Gain, Grow, Retail sure. is a community that we, we started. So we're big in the community. So it's why we like this question. But if you were gonna if you were gonna start a community about anything, what
2: would it be? That's like a softball question, Jay. <laughs> Barbecue.
1: Barbecue, okay, Say more.
2: I, um, so I got into it and it comes out of teaching. I, I got into barbecue because I got tired of reading how to papers from students where they just go online and they'd copy how to change a car tire and none of it was their original work. So I said, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to build something and I'm going to be able to write the directions out for you and go from there. And so I figured out how to take a 55 gallon drum and turn it into a vertical smoker. Oh my God. Um, and This is a kid who sixth grade was my last shop class. And (laughs) so I had to learn everything, um, even what tools I needed in order to make this happen. But I built it. The first thing I ever smoked, Jay, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. (laughs) My wife said it was terrible. To me, it was the best thing ever because I cooked it, right? And and it was definitely like a one pound pork sausage roll with some barbecue rub on it but the smoke wasn't right it was heavy and acidy and bitter um where now i mean if we fast forward and a lot of practice a lot of learning uh, a lot of different techniques i've never lost a chili competition what never lost chili wow
1: that's impressive
2: well i i don't play fair it's a (laughs) it's a smoked brisket chili so I smoke the brisket. Oh um, yeah. Then I end up smoking the rest of the chili and the ingredients in it, and um, people tell me they like it.
1: How long have you been doing this?
2: I think eleven years.
1: Okay. All right. Wow. That is impressive. I, I'm very. At one impressed.
2: point, I own nine smokers and grills.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, you know, that's every,
2: wife
1: every, said. every <laughs> well, I I'm, you can see I have a guitar behind me. I have a bunch more hanging mm. on the wall over here. So I'm, I'm, that's my, that's my only vice is collecting guitars, but my wife do you would play argue them. That. I do. I have played them for okay. about 30 years. Although some would say I never got any better after year two, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to impress anybody. <laughs> um, so that's awesome. So every good community needs somebody who's just an enthusiast and, and all in on the, on whatever the subject matter is. So you would, you could, you could crush that. It sounds like barbecue <laughs> community. Um, so this is, this podcast is is really catered toward the gang retain audience. Yep. Um, we like it to be real actionable too. So given what we've talked about, what, what, what's some concrete, um, advice or actions you would leave our audience with in terms of how to maybe think about the educator community uh, as it pertains to customer success.
2: Sure. And if it's okay, I'll kind of take it on two fronts. So with one, um, I I would ask if you're a hiring manager for a customer success unit, um, I'd ask, take a chance on, and I I don't mean take a chance but what I mean is be open to the possibility and at least the conversation with someone because I think too often opportunities are being missed and educators have so much to offer. They, you know, when I think about this, educators have to adjust on the fly all the time. They have, they're, they're project managers. They deal with data all the time. They um they do lots of different training for people they do what customer success managers are asked to do um and if you would let them talk to you about that experience and, and correlate it to the things you're looking for in that person um i think there's an opportunity for more educators to get in. and like you said jay i think it, it benefits it's a win-win yeah because Teachers have experience they can bring to the table, um, but we ha- we as educators have a lot to learn as well because business hasn't been our forte. And, you know, I can point to a lot of one-to-ones, but uh, w- when someone hires me, I, I'm going to be rolling up my sleeves and, and learning quite a bit. Um, but one thing that I would say to the educators who are trying to break in, um, before we got on here today, I... I'm working through and Pam Mesnick was like, all right, Jeff, I loved your episode yesterday, but all you did was talk about what you did. Show people.
1: (laughs) Ah, cool.
2: And it's that piece, yo, I know she is. Um, But that's the piece that I've been missing. So I was actually able to dig up um, the spreadsheets that I used. So the actual data that I used when I presented to that district small cabinet, to get approval for our budget and what we were looking to do, I found the actual presentation. So today I'm going to go through kind of just touch on the presentation because I don't think it's so much about the details. Yeah, in it. right. More the format. And then, yeah. So, but here's what I did I, you know, note, notice there's some actual data and I referenced a couple of uh, Excel spreadsheets. And what I'll do is, is go through that because. We planned for 277 kids based on a survey in spring of 2020. And we ended up with over 600 kids. Wow. So the budget that I presented had to be, you know, I had to be able to go in, change the numbers and easily be able to show them a new dollar amount for that. So I think going through and showing teachers, because you know what, I know they have a time they presented to the district because they wanted more budget money for X, Y, or Z. Uh, I know that they laid out a process for parents, and you know all those things that we're asking, yeah. you know, a CSM to do. Teachers have done this, but they don't think of the work that they've done as the work of business, and but it can be. Yes, <laughs> you know, if they look at it with yeah. fresh eyes, it can be.
1: Well, it, it's all in pursuit of an outcome, right? And the outcome may be an educational result for a student or a class or a school or a district, or it might be a profitability number. It might be an engagement metric. It might be, um, you know, a, a growth, a revenue growth number. But those concepts are not—they're not so far apart <laughs> that, that no. there's not traceability. So. Yeah. Presentation skills. That, that's, that's huge. And I love how you said it. One, one of the things that I would add just based on watching you uh, the short amount of time that we've known each other, the, the, the difference in what you have done and what many people do is you've been very, very proactive, like extremely yeah. proactive in, in thinking through this, you've, you've gone down the proverbial rabbit hole to research it. You've correlated it, and you've communicated and shared what you've what you've learned, and I mean that's why we're talking today. Like if you had you just been posting, you know, words on LinkedIn, I don't know that that it would have had the same impact on me. But what you've done is really cool and really special. So, do you plan on keeping it up?
2: Yeah, I am going to keep it up. Number one, there's there's more things I think (laughs) I I think that I can correlate. Um, But Pam, you know, part of her thing was so putting me on track but then it was also you can teach educators the kind of things they should look at and you know in, in that CSM role I, I'm, I'm going to be teaching you know as you're passing that off so for me this is the best way I think that I can let people know I can do this job because in my videos and again I'm talking about it so this next couple of days will be the first time that I'm showing it but I can tell you that moving forward, I'm going to look to show it more. And yep. hopefully educators can learn from it. But hopefully, you know, companies can look at that and say, he's doing exactly what we're looking for.
1: Yep. Well, I'm confident that it's going to happen. I just I just hired, um, I, should I say I just hired and I would say I, like I did it, but um, <laughs> th- there's a gentleman who joined our team at higher logic back in 2020, who I, I did do a finalist interview with him and he was in the classroom while he was interviewing (laughs) me. I was like, wow. So you're a teacher. He's like, yep, that's what I do. And he, he walked me through some of the stuff that he had done and he is just, he's fantastic. He's done (laughs) a great job for us at higher logic. And he has, he's very ambitious. He's got big, uh, big, Ideas and, and, and wants to grow and continue to learn and try different things, which uh, which makes him perfect for a fast-growing software company. So I sure. I know I'm I'm just I'm I'm excited just to hear uh, the news when, when it breaks of, of where you're <laughs> gonna where you're gonna be and, and what that's gonna look like. So how can people get in touch with you if uh, if they want to connect?
2: Sure, um, if they are on LinkedIn. Um, all they got to look up is it's Jeffrey C. I go by Jeff's um, but it, Jeffrey C. L- look me up. Um, and I am open to people who want to make connections because, um, uh, again, that's, that's how you build community. Um, and I have people randomly reach out to me who offered some help. You don't want to know what my LinkedIn profile looked like before two very cool guys got a hold of it. Um, but the other thing that I would say is if they want to email me, um super simple J E F as in Frank, S E E. So like S is in Sam, E is an echo, E is an echo at gmail.com.
1: All right. More cool. than willing
2: to respond to emails. Um and and again, I feel weird about this, so Jay, because I do not yet have a job but people are asking me about things that I'm, that I'm doing. And I, I guess I, I want to look at it as if they're seeing value in information that I'm sharing, then I should keep sharing it.
1: Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. And and I think you're, you're doing a service to the people who have a similar interest to you that haven't quite put in the the time and the effort yet. You're actually saving them a lot of, a lot of time. So you're you're a leader in that community already, with, with or without the direct experience in the role. So that'll be sure. enough. I'm I'm confident. So sure, man. It's it's. Thank you for spending the time with me. This is great. I really well, thank you for having amazing. me. Yeah,
2: yeah, I appreciate getting to talk to you. It's been it's been cool.
1: We'll do it again. So you you like we'll we'll, we'll keep an eye on you. You keep going okay. down the path. You get that job. Sit in it for a couple okay. of months, and that's when I'm really excited to talk to you again. When you can can look back and say, oh, my gosh, here's all the things that I thought or all the things that I thought would be true and did come true. Like that's going to be a fun conversation. So looking forward to that. (laughs) I am, too. All right, man. Have a great afternoon and we'll talk soon.
2: Yeah, we'll talk soon, Jay.